passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. We are live. It is Rewind to Raw. Another week here at Post Wrestling. Kicking off with three hours of pro wrestling content from Dallas, Texas. How are you, Way? I'm doing all right, John. You know, um, it never not feels like three hours. (laughs) Doesn't just breeze by? It doesn't get that much easier, you know? Like, it's gotten easier than maybe, like, the first year of these three-hour shows, but it hasn't gotten that much easier. Yeah, I know that there is the commercial component to Raw, but, you know, all weekend and and coming out today, like everyone's focused on uh, the box office performance of the new uh, Scorsese film with Leonardo DiCaprio. And people are just like, you know, three and a half hours. It's too long and it's absolutely too long for a movie. But I'm also thinking like the grand scheme of things. It's like, man, we do this every week and it's uh, it's by by choice. This this program puts Mm -hmm. out this amount on a weekly basis and this is just normal so it's um let's i don't let's know talk about three hour raws what are your <laughs> thoughts on three hour raws do you think these are sustainable it's really strange yeah how like the rest of the world at, at least maybe um i don't know move, the movie going audience seems to continue to have this debate of it like three hours is way too long to do anything how are you going to ask people to sit down for three hours to do one task we're the tiktok generation how is anybody going to have that amount of time or that amount of de- dedication when you're a wrestling fan, I mean, if you're a really a wrestling fan, I mean, it's not just three hours even. It's 20, you know, like 15 a week at least, you know, for a lot of people. So we're just a different breed, I guess. You know what I got to see last week? The um, a, a new level of just like people's obsession with their phones. So when we were away on this trip, we were at like this indoor water park and I see all these people around and they've got these um, like plastic seal bags to put their phones in that can that you can still operate your phone with. And it has mm-hmm. a, an area for speakerphone, because mm-hmm. how can you go to a water parkway without access to your phone? And I'm just watching all these people that are like on their semi vacation and they're just they're in the the, the like pool like typing away on their phone. I'm like, I, I'm definitely the old man now that are just looking at And these are people like older than me too, that are, that are doing this. I'm like, there is a level where it's, I think you could go without your phone for a half a day. I mean, I think for some a lot can, of, I guess some can. Well, for a lot of people, their vacation includes spending time on their phone, 
you know, like a lot of people consider that. Yeah, I think a lot of people, sometimes myself included, like if it's if you're looking for a break from work, you're on your phone, you know, you're browsing things that you're you know, like Twitter or whatever that you're you're enjoying. Um, and I guess for some people, they'll pay a lot of money to go on vacation just to um, be in a pool while they go on their phone as well. Well, you know what, you know? wait, let's. Let's get you and me and some friends together. We're going to go to a, a water park. We're going to pay for admission. And let's go out, hang out on our phones for two hours. I mean, afternoon. if the conversation is not that great, it might end up being that way. But usually the conversation is pretty good, thankfully. You know, I went on this. They had these uh, water slides. And one of them I went on, it was like the the highest level you could go in. And my wife just told me, she's like, go on this one. It's going to be really cool. So I just I just go. And I'm climbing up all the stairs to the top and there's three slides and two super long lines. And the one in the middle, two people. And that's the one I'm going for. I'm like, sweet. And I get to the top and I think I realize why no one's going on this thing. You get in and it's like, you're basically getting into this tube that you stand up, it closes and then boom, the bottom falls out and it's a 20 foot straight fall in a tube as water is shooting at you and you don't you don't know what's coming you don't know where you're going i don't know how long this thing is going to be it's like 15 seconds but my god it it was cool as hell but you just have no idea what you're going through here other than i i watched ahead of me like this kid was ahead of me that went on this and dude the person's there and boom they just shoot down and it was nuts you must have felt like darby darby allen for a second um it it was it was that level although i i had my my shoulders intact so that that was a that was good because like you know obviously uh, um i mean there are amusement park rides that do a vertical drop but you're like strapped in you can kind of see the world like can you at least see anything when you're inside this tube oh no 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 that's like just, that's gotta freak freak somebody out and it's just like you're in a enclosed tube free falling and it's just water at you like you can't even open your eyes like it's just it's so harsh the water that's coming at you but it was it's like my god what what is the level we go to for just uh personal um uh fun did you have your phone though my phone was uh back in my uh in my locker and amazingly i got through a 20 second ride without texting it so that was a that was another uh, modern achievement for me uh so we are going to be getting into all of tonight's uh, big action for season two of uh, or episode two of season 32. I don't know, whatever the hell we're mm-hmm. at for, uh, for Raw, a uh, big follow up to the season premiere. But I want to dial things back to Saturday Nightway because back from the dead are those letters that are hard to kill. T N A. It's back. Frankie Kazarian resurrected the brand from the bottom of a swamp and unlocked Pandora's box. And inside it were those, those three magic letters that contained a press release that read TNA will launch 2024 with hard to kill Saturday, January 13th. Scott, the more we still hear the TNA chance wherever we go. Fans have longed for TNA wrestling. So that's where we're bringing. That's what we're bringing back in 2024 TNA wrestling. We're back. Company officials confirmed that the new year will launch a new look TNA wrestling that runs from the entrance ramp to turnbuckles in the ring to larger, more prestigious venues. Ouch to the venues we've been running and much, much more. Further details on TNA wrestling will be revealed on Tuesday, October 24th, when Demore sits down for an exclusive interview with Tom Hannafan that will air on Impact's 
Facebook page starting at noon Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Scott Moore said, we're effing back. Uh, why? Why are they back? No, why Why did you throw in the effing? What do you mean? Because I'm worried about our YouTube monetization and that's all. I mean, okay. Does I didn't know matter? if it was a play on like, you know, the, uh, like get, get the F out or something. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, this seemed to be the biggest headline coming out of the show on, uh, uh, uh Saturday now. And, um, and, th- and this was, I, I should say like, this was met with a ton of positivity. Like it is mm-hmm. amazing. The value of nostalgia, even like I, a few years ago over a WrestleMania weekend, they did a TNA nostalgia show and there was definitely some buzz attached to that one too. Um, but this one, like this is a company that has certainly um, been able to overcome the the stench that was this, this brand that this company had. And this seemed to be a pretty like welcome choice by the company. Do I think it's going to make a, a big difference? I don't. But for this pay-per-view, um, will you get some curiosity buys to see what this show looks like, what is different? I, I don't think it hurts. I mean, they kind of have my curiosity, you know, as somebody who uh, pays a, a lot of attention to um, maybe like public messaging and, and branding. Um, a name change alone isn't going to do much, but it could be the sort of um, nice gift wrap, you know, in front of like a, a larger package of changes, which they seem to be promising with a, a whole, you know, overhaul of their aesthetics, venues, and who knows really what else. prestigious venues more prestigious venues correct yeah so i i think it's really interesting because not often do you hear about brand brands like reverting back to an old name especially one that i think has been met with you know like kind of mixed reaction over the years like tna but you're right like i'd over say time, largely negative over the years it's yeah. it's only switched i think now that you do have some audience that they grew up with tna on spike tv and maybe some that also did not live through tna which had its good, but had way more of its negative than positive. So I would contend that um, maybe as much negativity as the, the TNA brand had, you can argue the Impact brand had even more of it. You know, certainly pre more. Um, I think, you know, a lot of uh, the Hogan era with the change initially to Impact branding still comes to mind. A lot of the, you know, F that owl um, sort of era still comes to mind attached to this as well. Whereas I think TNA, mm, yeah, you might think about some of the bad, but I think a lot of people still like largely think about the good. They think about the X division. They think about, you know, Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, um, the knockouts, you know, or, or, you know, Awesome Kong and Gail Kim. Um, So I sort of, you're sort of taking the good and just, excommunicating the bad that Mm -hmm. people associate with a Hogan Bischoff era to a Dixie Carter, uh, et cetera. Um, And I think trying to, yeah, polish what is now, you know, a very significant tool in wrestling that is nostalgia and that I don't think you can build a company around, but I would say the positive to this is their biggest issue, I think is just trying to make any kind of noise that's going to signal attention the key is when people come and check out your product, are they impressed with what there is? And I, I do believe this is a this is a very good product. I enjoyed this pay-per-view quite a bit. And if and if there is a fraction of people that tune in to this pay-per-view or to the television, I think it's a it's I think it's overall it's a pretty good product and it looks like they're gonna be making significant upgrades to, to their look. But again, I think all of the limitations that TNA impact 
they still exist under, that's not changing. This is not going to upgrade their television position. This is not going, this is not like some massive star that, that that's coming in, but it's, it's an attempt at publicity and they're, I think and they, need, they need to be trying things because they're at a level and it's a very, very hard game to get out of this level. Totally, totally. Um, you know, from all accounts, I'm not a weekly viewer, but I did catch uh, portions of, of Bound for Glory. And I I mean, if they continue to be, you know, be the home of a match like Speedball versus Will Ospreay, um, the only thing that's really missing is just getting people's attention to know that they're presenting this sort of match or even an Alex Shelley versus, you know, Josh Alexander. Um, they they are delivering like I think satisfying quality for audiences that choose to watch them, but they just need to get the word out at this point. And maybe a name change like this, maybe a change of uh, to more prestigious venues, is the type of shot that they need in order to get some of that extra attention. What did you see at Bound for Glory? Um, I I I did see uh, Osprey versus Bailey. I saw the main event. Um, I saw the call your uh, shot gauntlet. For some reason, I decided to sit through sit through that. You felt the need so. to sit through a half an hour of this. I like surprises. What can I say? You know. Well, you got them in. I got Ruben some. Dude Guerrera and yeah. Matt Cardona. Yeah, the, the the big surprise that George Iceman booked a hotel for. Um, <laughs> I guess it was Hoovy got a nice hotel. Hey, CM Punk did show up, or or was it the the tapings that he showed up? It at? was the tapings the oh. next day. And that was our next topic topic here. This was reported by Nick Houseman that on Sunday, uh, Punk was backstage at Cicero Stadium and was around all of the talent and speaking with them. Also worth noting that PW Insider had reported and that was a steal working both the pay-per-view and tapings on Sunday in a producer capacity. So this is not the first time Punk has been to an Impact show this year. The last time they were at Cicero Stadium earlier this year, he also uh, attended th- those tapings as well. And I mean, do you view this as something deeper, not in the sense that this is, you know, some imminent uh, arrival for punk, but on the side of punk, is he just going to check out a wrestling show or do you see this as more strategic that here is, here is his name that is out there after it had cooled off the last couple of weeks. And now I guess it's just, it's him attached to another wrestling product. Do you see this as, you know, do you look into this deeper than a guy just wanting to go check out the show? I mean, the fact that, you know, we are talking about a CM Punk headline, the fact that I think there's at least speculation now that he could possibly be going to Impact Wrestling, when for me, at least, the chances of that happening prior to maybe this weekend might have been zero. I would at least upgrade that to like maybe a 10%, you know, at this point. The fact that all these things are happening, um, uh, I don't, I can't tell you his motive. I think he will probably just tell you, like, if asked that he was there to visit his friend Ace and to maybe, you know, visit some other professional wrestling fans because he happens to be a fan of professional wrestling. But um, the, the, the side benefit of all of this is that it's added speculation about a CM Punk, you know, return to professional wrestling. It's added speculation for impact wrestling that they may possibly get, you know, wrestling's hottest free agent. So um, what's, I'm, what's your thought process if you are Anthem and how you approach a, a CM Punk? Like what, yeah. what, what would be your reason not to, Make, like let's remember it wasn't that many years ago that they mm-hmm. tried to make a big pitch for Chris Jericho and the fact that you know Jericho didn't reveal the number but he said it was a very you know impressive yeah. offer that that he received and Anthem is this is a company that they they have resources where they need them mm-hmm. and if you look at this like they are investing a lot I would I would surmise based on um, these production upgrades, you're doing this rebranding, and it could very well be, listen, if we're going to take our shot to get to another level, what level of investment are we looking in? And what 
would we be willing to commit to one talent? Who, who is the talent that can get, again, creating that noise that bring people into a product that we feel is very competitive. It just doesn't have that attention. Who can bring us that attention? Right. Totally. I, you know, like I maybe speculated earlier, I, I think for sure they will make them an offer. The, the question is how big is the offer and how much are they willing to um, invest into something like a CM Punk being a part? Because I don't think any questions about like, um, I don't know, locker room morale apply here. Like, yes, CM Punk might be difficult to work with in an AEW or in a WWE, but Impact needs a name like that. And I don't even think he will be that much issue because they will give him the keys to the kingdom okay creatively in order to get his name attached to their product so i don't think there's going to be any sort of that friction that you might find um and if you're anthem i think the only question is how much willing are you are you how much are you willing to invest when you might not see that investment back um what what are the added benefits of having cm punk attached to you in terms of promotion you know uh, of just the tna brand um and how much what's his asking price versus, you know, what you're you're spending on the entire operation. Yeah. And what his it's like, where where is he at? Is he comfortable putting wrestling to, to the side at this moment? And if you're looking at where AEW is a closed door and WWE, for all we know, could be a closed door as well. Although the way history has dictated that a no today could very well be a maybe tomorrow and a mm-hmm. let's meet in a month you know that's just how these things evolve based on business based on changes based on injuries he's a card that a major player could could utilize but if you're someone that's looking at listen i'm turning 45 next week and i feel i've got a year or so of matches in me i don't want to leave off this sour note that was this last year in terms of my reputation which maybe he cares about maybe he does not care about like here is a chance for me to come into a company and make a real difference. Is he going to make a real difference in WWE? He's not. He's going to come in and that represents a great financial opportunity and an ability to still end on a strong note on the biggest platform. But this is like, this is about as close to like a DIY project that I could see him attaching himself to uh, that he could make a, a meaningful difference to as his at least a, a he he will a make a meaningful game. meaningful difference to it yeah i think I mean, he would i think it, absolutely he would what is a meaningful difference when it comes to impact wrestling you know especially like if they stay on an access i mean it, maybe he'll sell a few access subscriptions like he'll i think he'll definitely sell pay-per-views you know if if, if that's what your measure of you know what difference is um but i, I like, like, like if you want to run bigger venues and th- mm-hmm. like the places they run i'm not advocating they should be necessarily running bigger ones but the atmosphere is a killer on a lot of these shows it was better on on saturday they had a very healthy crowd um but like th- this is a guy that could get you to if you want to run a 5000 seat building this is someone that can generate that i don't know if their current like they, they just i think of what they're drawing now, I think 5,000 that that's really ambitious for, mm. for TNA. And, and it's also, you know, having uh, one big name attached to your product is a launching pad for your other talents that are on, on the show for, for you to build around. So um, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, the benefits are very obvious for, for, for Anthem and for impact. Um, Can they, can they give him something that is appealing enough, you know, uh, considering maybe the decrease in platform? Give him a percentage of Invicta FC. 
I, I wonder I wonder if they, they're going to get creative with something like that. Listen, they have they have a lot of combat sports um, properties at their mm-hmm. disposal like there that you can definitely get very creative. Like from the time this was out there, I never discounted impact as like this wild, like the, this left field potential destination and still I'd categorize it as low, but definitely not something I would shut the door on if I was either side looking mm-hmm. at this. Ring of Honor, they are doing something that we have actually spoken about many, many times over the the past two years. They are going to take Final Battle on Friday, December 15th, and it will air exclusively for Honor Club members. So those that are subscribing to Honor Club will get the pay-per-view with their subscription and no upcost for the pay-per-view. So previously, their pay-per-views had been airing outside of Honor Club for $39.95. And looking at last year's Final Battle, they did about $25 thousand buys so that does give you like a sense of like what is uh what their pay-per-view numbers what the ballpark is for this one i i don't know what the long-term play is with honor club but this is definitely an indication of them wanting to get a shot in the arm for honor club and i think this rewards your your most like diehard fans that have been subscribing to this service that here is a bone we are throwing you with a final battle Right. Yeah. I mean, beyond that, of course, it's it's the biggest thing they can do to encourage new signups to hopefully create other long term fans of Ring of Honor and, and Honor Club in specific. Um, I think it's a great move. You know, honestly. Um, yeah. Like, I, first of all, like, would you have expected them to do a similar amount of buys for this final battle as last year's more or less? It's hard because we don't know what the card is. And this one could potentially be a much bigger show based on who the champions are now that I would think. I would I would think that you could clear twenty five thousand buys. I I didn't look up what they did the last time in in this past July, but I mean mm-hmm. this has kind of been the range of what they've been in, like twenty five to forty five during this Tony Khan era. Right. So if they could do the twenty five um thousand buys, I mean you may potentially be looking at twenty five thousand. You would hope even more subscriptions that might stick around for longer than just a month, maybe two months. Um, in either either case, I. I think the the entry point, what is it, ten dollars? Yes. Yeah, the entry point to a Ring of Honor show, I, I think at ten dollars is far more appealing and far more attractive, you know, than um trying to sell people this essentially like B brand, you know, for the same price that you've been selling your AEW pay-per-views. It'll encourage a lot more people to sample it and potentially stick around, you know, month to month. So um I, I like it a lot. You know, it it seems to be to me like one of the reasons why for a long time people were subscribing to the WWE network. I mean, outside of the pay-per-views, which uh, I think are probably the biggest straw, but having NXT week to week and then even having NXT, the takeovers, um, it wasn't the tape libraries like that. Yeah. And that's what honor club can't rely on either. And let, let's remember like 25,000 buys. I would imagine anyone buying, spending uh, $10 a month on honor club are probably buying that pay-per-view. So you have to take that into account that there was probably a lot of overlap between existing subscribers and that 25,000 number. But I think the other key is, you know, people will sign up for this. They'll get it. They'll have access to Honor Club for a month. What are you going to do to keep them? Because I don't think the weekly television is enough or I, I, I think it'd be very small, but people are finally going to sign up and now they're going to become regular weekly viewers. And I, and I don't know what that hook is to keep people, but that should be the hope here is that you, you want to keep these subscribers. 
Sure. It's hard to say like whether or not it'll be small. Um, I mean, you know, having an MJF featured um, maybe week to week, that might be enough for a lot of people. Some people might just be too lazy to cancel, you know, in between ROH pay-per-views and might just decide to keep it for the three months that, you know, they would have paid for a singular pay-per-view anyway. And, and I'm sure they're thinking about all of this when it comes to this move. Ratings from Friday, SmackDown did 2,253,000 viewers, 0.59 in the demo, uh, slightly down from the previous week. This was going up against uh, the ending of the uh, Texas Rangers-Houston Astros game and all of the Diamondbacks-Phillies. So uh, SmackDown beat everything else in sports except for Major League Baseball. Uh, The peak was the segment from 9 to 9.15 Eastern for the backstage involvement with Adam Pierce and Nick Aldis and the Ray Mysterio Logan Paul uh, segment that coming courtesy of Russell Nomics. So obviously Adam Pierce, the big draw. Uh, you know what? He, maybe he should win the tag team championships on, on his own so he can go back and forth. Imagine that Logan Paul audience coming in and, you know, they're here for Logan Paul, but they stick around for this Adam Pierce, Nick Aldis program. Maybe a lot of a uh, Logan Paul and NWA crossover from, you know, years back. Rampage. This was an interesting number because this featured Mystico and Rocky Romero. And it was uh, very clear that Mystico did move a lot of tickets after he was announced for this show. And uh, Brandon Thurston did a great breakdown of this with Jesse Collings on WrestleNomics on Sunday that you can listen to. But the peak was the first quarter for Mystico and Rocky Romero. Unfortunately, it was not anything spectacular. Typically, the first quarter is the most watched. But this was a show that overall did 342,000 viewers down 8% and a .11 in the demo that was down 23% and uh, mystical might've moved tickets. He did not bring in women Uh, in 18 to 49 women fell 49% from last week in 18 to 34 women fell 78% from the previous week to 10,000 on average. So um, yeah, women decided, you know what? Um, We're all watching bound for glory tomorrow night. We got SmackDown in. We're we're gonna we're gonna take a pass on Rampage this week. So listen to this, okay? Eighteen to forty nine, women fell forty nine percent. How much do you think men fell by in eighteen to forty nine from last week? Um, I'm gonna say less than that. Fifteen. Zero. They were even from the previous week. It was just wild. Oh, interesting. No, man, we gotta see Mystico. <laughs> So anyway, so um, I mean, it's not like they really promoted, made a big deal out of this on their TV at all, you know. Um, so outside of like the local area, are people that are CMLL viewers already, or people who know maybe about the status of the Mystico? Um, I don't think they made any real effort to to make this feel like it it was a, a big TV match. Although they did air a package, like for what, like a 60, 60 seconds. It was it was enough that it like in at least in the area, like mm-hmm. it definitely moved tickets, and that to me is even more impressive than had this you know spiked the number by twenty percent or or something like that. I guess you know certainly this is a more involved relationship between AEW and CMLL, and that comes with its own interesting um yeah outcome here when you're trying to work with triple a and the politics that get involved there and uh whether there is some blow up uh at some point that you certainly you have a a powder keg that's forming mm-hmm. nxt on tuesday night it is night one of halloween havoc that will see becky lynch against lyra valkyria that they promoted very heavily on raw Tony D'Angelo and Channing Lorenzo will take on Andre Chase and Duke Hudson for the tag titles. A lights out match between Gigi Dolan and Blair Davenport. Do you think they're going to replicate uh, Kenny Omega and John Moxley in this lights out match? And will um, this go against their record? Uh, I don't know if they have records in NXT. Roxanne Perez and Kiana James in a Devil's Playground match. Braun Breaker takes on Mr. Stone. 
Lola Weiss against Carmen Petrovic in the semifinal of the women's breakout tournament, as well as Ariana Grace against Kalani Jordan in the other semifinal. The debut, the NXT television debut of Lexus King, the former Brian Pillman Jr. And they got some bad news today because uh, Arizona beat the Phillies. So that forces a seventh game Tuesday night head to head with NXT. Although NXT has proven in the past that they they have a very resilient uh, fan base. And these Halloween Havoc shows in past years have done very well. So the name has meant something in the past. And I would think that this feels like the show that um, should do the larger audience as opposed to Halloween night next week, unless none of their fans are celebrating Halloween there. <laughs> we got to find out who wins between uh, Carmelo and Ilya. Hard to say, uh, hard to predict with, with this particular particular audience and, and the demographics that they might um, shine shine with. Um, but it looks like a good looking show, man. I think it's a it's, you know, all of WWE a lot of matches. And that includes NXT as well. And the final thing is uh, Dynamite in Philadelphia that is up to uh, Russell Ticks reporting almost 4,700 tickets out. So they have a, they're definitely within striking distance of hitting 5,000 uh, for this show that they have loaded up uh, over the last couple of nights. So added to this card is Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli against Orange Cassidy and his best bud, Kazuchika Okada. That's going to be doing the Fighting Spirit Unleashed show this weekend. So coming into town early so you will get okada and danielson uh in the in the ring for the first time since forbidden door and it remains to be seen if if there, there'll be any sort of tease about what a wrestle program uh sorry wrestle kingdom program might be between the two um or or maybe um Orange Cassidy. <laughs> yeah sure could be that too rvd and hook We'll take on Alex Reynolds and John Silver. That's a match. The Hung Bucks defending the six-man tag titles against the Hardys and Brother Zay. Hikaru Shida against Ruby Soho for the women's title. And opening up the show will be Juice Robinson and MJF for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. That has pretty much promised you a violent bloodbath uh, that will kick that's things off. That's opening the show? Uh, yeah, they've said that's going to open the show. Okay, because um, because if it's opening the show, do you still expect the same level of blood and gore in, in, in this promised violence yes i do okay all right but uh i that is not in the main event position nor is renee interviewing chris jericho because really the main event what everyone is tuning into i am hoping that there is a giant box that descends from the rafters tony khan's gift for sting mm. uh, maybe the biggest mystery of them all cufflinks um does he even have um cuffs <laughs> this thing um i don't a know that a bronzed bat <laughs> i'm feeling more of a plaque um maybe a nice hat i don't know maybe he's uh bought the master tape rights to star k 97 and he's going to redo the finish for sting I don't think he could afford that. No, probably not. No. Okay, well, that's uh, that really is the main event of Wednesday, the gift for Sting. Mm-hmm. Well, Way, we're in the gift-giving mood as well because we have a, a big auction that we are taking part in with our good friend, Robert Pearson. And uh, do let us know because our listeners will be very curious about this, of how they can participate and earn some cool prizes courtesy of Post Wrestling. 
And why why would you let Sting be the only person, you know, receiving something of value this season? Because yes, John, our friend Robert Pearson's Real Digital Media is holding its second annual Monster Media Mash, raising funds for the Doe Fund. For over 30 years, the Doe Fund has led the charge against homelessness and recidivism by providing economic opportunity, housing, career training, and supportive services to homeless and formerly incarcerated men. This year, Real Digital has set up a number of auctions for fans of combat sports, including signed championship titles and custom illustrations from the likes of AEW champion MJF, Bobby Lashley, Daniel Cormier, MVP, Ariel Hawani, and even from post-wrestling. And what are we providing for this auction, John? Your own edition of Rewind Away, where John and I will review a wrestling or MMA event of your choice. You get to come on the show to talk about your pick. Robert Pearson will even design a custom illustration depicting the event you have chosen and a post merch bundle, including exclusive T-shirt designs that you can see here for our video audience. What do you think, John, of, of your tea? I'm very impressed with this. I didn't see this until uh, er- earlier today. I'm I'm pretty impressed by this. I don't think I could wear this uh, in in all. Uh, I, I I probably you could wear it. You Why could not? rock it. I will rock it. This is John Pollock logo in the style of the Tim Hortons logo. I have one in the design of Lego. So uh, Robert Pearson, I clearly a man who knows uh, both of our passions, John and I. So those exclusive t-shirt designs will be yours, including your own edition of rewind away your chance to come on the show to talk about your pick and the custom illustration depicting the event you've chosen. This is of course a perk that we usually reserve for our highest tiered patrons in our Patreon. And it's typically a year plus wait, but we are giving the chance for the auction winner to jump the line early with their selection, along with the giant stack of bonus merchandise. So For more information or to submit your bid, go to charitybuzz.com slash MMM2. That's charitybuzz.com slash MMM2. The auction opens today and closes on Tuesday, November the 7th. Again, visit charitybuzz.com slash MMM2 for more info and to check out the other auction items. Yes. So there you go. Um, Make sure we outbid Daniel Cormier's prize pack okay so go out there um it's a, it's a very uh very great uh fund that um robert is uh, ra- raising funds for and his team at real digital so we're happy to support them and uh throw in a cool uh prize pack for whoever is the winning bidder so we will uh kindly remind you about this over the next uh couple of weeks but let us move on uh to our schedule coming up this week tuesday night Braden and davy will be live right after halloween havoc night one and I believe um, cost- actually uh, they're they're up on Wednesday, Wednesday oh, afternoon. Week. This oh, week, this, this week, week they're they're live. Oh, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry, I got confused because next week is Halloween and they actually have live. So this is the will. problem when WWE <laughs> does two weeks of Halloween. Okay, yes, thank you. Uh, they will be live Tuesday night uh, at about 10:15 uh, p.m. Eastern time. So check out Up Next with their review of Night One of Halloween Havoc on Wednesday. A very fun show that we're looking forward to with Pollock and Thurston as our guest will be Alan Forel from the Pro Wrestling Torch site, someone that I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with. He will be on as we preview this year's ballot for the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame, which uh, I have a lot of work to do tomorrow. I got to I gotta sit down and really go through this ballot. So we will be uh, working out our ballots and going through many of the key candidates on Wednesday show. That's live at 3 Eastern. And then back for Rewinded Dynamite on Wednesday night 
And a final thing we'll plug is Ask Away, the mailbag show. It's back on Thursday, and you still have time to get your questions in. We already have some some great ones this month, uh, but you can submit them on the thread at forum.postwrestling.com. Or if you want us to hear your wonderful voice, you can send in an audio question at memo.fm slash postwrestling. What do you like about my uh, my monthly search for a male related photo way? Because I can't create a logo like yourself, um, and uh, thus I, I I borrow from Canada Post. I think it's awesome. I think it's hilarious. This is the image that I know Terry and Dory Funk always wanted to be <laughs> pictured right next to. Yeah, what a collage here! We have Becky and Lyra Valkyria, the Funks, in a Canada Post mailbox. I mean, um, th- three of my favorite things. That's so. it. And uh, the Funks will be part of uh, the long and winding Royal Road this weekend when WH welcomes Braden Harrington to review the August 31st, 1983 final match. Terry Funk's retirement in 1983. It's been decades since the man last wrestled. Uh, the late Terry Funk uh, teaming with his brother. And this, of course, immortalized with the forever promo at the end, which I actually uh, watched the other day. Just when I saw they were reviewing this, I've I've actually got into this thing way where I've been lately watching wrestling matches, but with the sound off. Really? I find it kind of interesting to watch. It's a totally different way of watching wrestling with no sound on. What's the reason that you decided to do this? I find it's a different way to watch it. I I really only did this with two matches, but... um, Will you be trying the opposite and and listening to a match and not watching and, and see what that's like? No, no, that I will not be doing. Um, hmm. Interesting. Though I will, I, I did listen with the sound on tonight for Raw, so you don't have to worry about that. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. <laughs> okay. On that note, the full schedule, postwrestling.com, four shows up at postwrestlingcafe.com coming up this weekend, and a lot of great coverage over the weekend of uh, Bound for Glory, Waiting, and Kate slogging through three hours of AEW. Dude, that was, I watched those shows. There was like some good wrestling there, but that was a big commitment of time to watch. I mean, you know, I, I we couldn't let you and Cino have all the fun talking about uh, a, a pay-per-view. So we, we have to go pay-per-view length as, as well with uh, Battle of the Belts. Um, not that. I mean, Willow Statlander was a great match. Other than that, um, it was not an extra hour that I felt was really needed. And uh, the return of Phil, our Terry Funk, uh, joining Eric Marcotte to review UFC 294, which was an insane show that featured, uh, I mean... Three fighters that revealed afterwards that they fought with staph infection, which is not good. You had one fighter who was kicked so hard in the balls that he was throwing up and had to go for like an ultrasound. And when he was down in the cage, the ringside physician comes in and informs this fighter. No, no, no. You, you didn't get hit in the balls. You're you're OK. He's like, yeah, my, my dick. He's, this guy was just in so much pain. He's like throwing up backstage. And this physician is telling him, no, 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 you, it didn't hit you there. You're you're OK. I mean, this was just a comedy of errors on this show as they went to uh, Abu Dhabi. But uh, Phil and Eric have a full rundown of that pay-per-view. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Let's get into Raw from the American Airlines Center in Dallas. WrestleTix reporting this morning. 11,726 tickets out and out to start the show, Finn Balor and Damian Priest, your new tag team champions. And they had promoted a celebration for the Judgment Day. This was our celebration. They came out and were immediately cut off by Cody Rhodes. No celebration. Cody refers to Rhea Ripley as the leader of the Judgment Day, trying to get under the champion's skin. Says, she's your mommy too. And she's cutting all the deals, including one with the bloodline. So he brings up how Priest... Low blowed him last week, and that's not going to be the final shot in this battle. And Priest brings up, yeah, and I also power bombed you through a table. Priest brings up Cody's story and says, it looks like your story is that you failed. And Cody, he wants to fight. But not now, says Damian Priest. Instead, let's have a match at Crown Jewel. And Cody accepts just like that. But says, what about now? And Ripley and Dominic proceed to come out. It looks like it's four-on-one against Cody. When Jay comes out attacking Dominic, Cody fights off Priest and then gets run into the desk when J.D. McDonough chop blocks Cody and it sets up a spot where Cody's uh, Cody's ankle is put against the steps with a chair wrapped around it and they waffle the ankle with the chair and uh, Cody's ankle is smashed into a million pieces that he would have to recuperate over the next two and a half hours well we know how cody does with Cass, so i mean it's only going to give him you know a bionic foot to work with and um it'll make him even stronger um but i think it's interesting you know i thought this was a good segment cody sounded very good here as basically your lead baby face they are putting a lot more emphasis lately on the story so um really kind of like mm, beginning the tease for cody versus roman either at wrestlemania or wherever else the story may end um and I like Priest versus Cody. I think it's a pay-per-view caliber match. And uh, they started it off strong, pretty strong here with this attack angle afterwards. Alpha Academy and the New Day had a match with Maxine and Akira Tozawa in the corner of Alpha Academy. And it looks like Tozawa has been adopted by Alpha Academy. He's now part of the act. There was like, um, like, a, like a dot-com exclusive skit that they put out making it official. Once you get the t-shirt, it's official. Well, they had a they had a very good tag match here as uh, New Day continue to um, feel like they just have a, a different gear that they've gone to uh, over this last uh, period since Kofi's come back. Gable ducks the trouble in paradise. Um, he goes to the floor. Otis then shor- shoulder tackles Woods. And after the commercial break, Woods is in and Gable comes off his shoulders into a slam, but catches the honor roll. Pair of uh, Germans. We see a Steinerizer onto Woods. Kingston's in for the save. And then Otis tears off his shirt, hits the Caterpillar. Woods then attempts a reverse Caterpillar, which looks kind of tricky to pull off. Kind of looks easier than an actual Caterpillar, don't you think? I mean, I can't do either, so I shouldn't say. Backwards motion would be a little trickier. But Hmm. he 
caterpillars his way right into an ankle lock. And right there, Kurt was probably just fuming that he never thought of this with Scotty. Um, yes, quite the um, quite the WrestleMania match those two could have had. Yeah. I doubt he was watching this, but uh, that's countered into a roll up. There's a trouble in paradise on Otis and then Kingston with the Topecon hero and Gable um, is hit by the dive and Woods pins Otis after a flying elbow in 10 minutes and 18 seconds. I thought a very good match, you know, Wood stood out to me in this one, but I thought all four men looked very good. Um, I, I agree with you that I think like the New Day have um, have been very good in ring. I feel like they always have. I'm still looking for that wrinkle in their story, in their characters for me to get excited about a, what is this, a 15th or 16th tag title chase. Um, the important ones. <laughs> It just it feels like they're, you know, the default team that you have challenging or even holding your take team titles. And they've really done nothing to make me feel like this is going to be a different story that they're going to be telling. Um, so a fine TV match. They're always reliable for something like this. But I'm just I'm not that excited for what's to follow. Yeah, it's also at a time when this is the strongest they've been booking this tag division in years and years and years. That because it stayed away from the tag division. It's, I mean, well, that's kind of it. It's that you look at like they had the the Alpha Academy, New Day, and then DIY, and I'd include DIY in this. And I just I can't buy any of these teams being threats to hold these now more prestigious titles that have been kind of in the property of judgment day, Owens and Zane and Rhodes and Jay Uso. And it just mm-hmm. feels like this is almost a secondary division within a division. Yeah. Jackie Redmond interviews Becky and mentions that she has matches on back-to-back nights and how Indy never lost her title, but she never also never got a chance. And there uh, the Paul Levesque favorite what's happening in the background is uh, a looming Zia Lee who we would uh, see later. She just uh, stared in the back, placing a curse on Becky. That's how you get your title shot. It was really hard to see her. I had to like pause this. It was like, is this Nikki Cross? Is this Ia Lee? Hmm. Really uh, out of focus. Then we had a vignette for Ivar, just Ivar with Valhalla. He has the wisdom of Odin and the power of Thor. I'm like, what the hell am I writing here? Now it's time for him to lead. He is the one true warrior, which brought me back to like one warrior nation. But um, I don't know, not not a sign that Eric is uh, coming back anytime soon. I mean, I, I'm guessing the injury is is maybe worse than any of us might have expected because I mean, Ivar has been doing really well as a singles act with the moonsault. And, um, it, it, you know, why, why sit him out while, while the tag team partner is not available? They're, they're making an effort, it seems, at least with production. And you would assume with the push as well after this for Ivar as a single star. The wisdom of Odin and the power of Thor. Right. And maybe the conniving nature of Loki. Maybe. Which you can listen to a review of right now in the Post Wrestling Cafe with WH Park and their man, Neil Flanagan. Um, my favorite odd couple pairing in professional wrestling maybe ivar needs a partner uh okay who are you suggesting absence of eric in loki okay (laughs) sure (laughs) oh ivar (laughs) would you have the wisdom and the power (laughs) but i think you need someone that can get down to business dude it would make my my mondays if we had him just doing a promo every week i'd be so I'd be over great. the moon. Like you'd yeah. you'd hear zero complaints. Out of me. <laughs> 
Seth Rollins is wandering backstage. This was a very like nothing show for Seth Rollins. Like he never appeared in front of the crowd. Maybe he did like a dark segment, but um, is wandering backstage, runs into Rhea Ripley, who brings up the history between the sides and Rhea explains that was all out of respect. And they are concerned for Seth when he takes on Drew. And maybe you need the Judgment Day as an insurance policy. Rollins sees through this as a plot to try and have Damien cash in on him. And Ripley says, right now, you're just a champion. You could be the champion if you joined us. And maybe Priest cashes in on someone else. But without us, you're never going to have a run like Roman Reigns with your fragile back. And we could have your back and make people acknowledge you. And Rollins says, I want to be nothing like Roman Reigns. And Ripley acknowledges, you never said no. And that is the lingering cliffhanger. Did he mean to say yes or no? Hmm. Hmm. And also, um, he he is not the main champion. I guess that's what you can also take from this. Listen, I mean, yeah, maybe you never want to... Um say that out loud but it's also a, a fact that i think every wrestling fan every wwe viewer has already internalized it is impossible at this point to you know get even close to what roman reigns has established with this like three year plus reign and i think just to be even based on the statistic like they have they have even a kayfabe reason to suggest something like this and I, as a form of like politicking for this you know very sort of like um smart and manipulative Rhea Ripley, I think it's a wonderful insecurity to play into that you would expect, you know, somebody like a Seth Rollins might have. Um, he's a champion, but he's not the champion of the company. And with that injured back of his, um, he will have a very tough time reaching Roman Reigns, you know, um, very long reign. So I thought it was a, a nice little bit of politicking here. Natalia comes up to Candice Lorraine, Indy Hartwell, and wishes Indy well tonight in her big match and mentions Tegan Knox is not here tonight because she was hurt in NXT last week. She had the match with Lyra Valkyria, wasn't on the show, and is here if Indy needs any advice tonight. And they say thank you, but they never hit her up for any advice. Man, these Natalia like skits are so tough to read, and I don't know if they're supposed to be. Like she comes in and it's like she feels so insincere when she comes in and is just like, Hey guys, I just want to wish you good luck. It's just, it's such an unnecessary conversation. And like the way she does it, it feels like she's, she's being so fake. So um, I, I, I constantly like am wondering if they're trying to tease a heel turn here or if it's just bad acting Um, because nothing about the booking, you know, of Natalia after this suggests that it's actually a heel turn that they're going with. So, I mean, I don't know. It could be very good acting or very bad acting. I think it's just like they could have done this all in a week's time and it wouldn't have meant anything. And instead, the way they are just prolonging this, it's almost making it painful. I think it'll have more impact that you are kind of doubting um, whether this is just all false uh, by N- Natalia. So I can't say I've um, not been a, fa- uh, a fan of this, that I think it's a better way. If you're going to do something like this, I would rather you draw it out. So people actually have a reaction to it and care. You're um, on the side of great acting then here. Um, I'm, I'm on the side of, I feel that this is um, transparent in her actions that will be revealed at, at a better time as they plant the seeds here, that these, these rookies here are not taking her veteran advice here, like Indy and look mm-hmm. what happened to her. Lyra Valkyria was brought into Dallas, so she was shown in the front row. Got a got a great seat off of StubHub at the last minute. 
front row. That's the way, or, or maybe tickpick.com. I hope she wasn't a victim of like that dynamic pricing. She probably could have <laughs> paid an arm and a leg for this ticket. Mm-hmm. Becky Lynch and Indy Hartwell for the NXT title. Candice LeRae watching in the back. And the manhandle slam gets avoided. So Indy boots her. At one point, Becky has the triangle, but Indy power bombs her way out. And then there's a spine buster. Becky finally is able to maneuver to the disarmor after multiple attempts uh, with Indy avoiding. And with the disarmor on, Indy is trying to fight it, but finally taps out in nine minutes and 16 seconds. They shake hands. And then Becky walks up to Lyra Valkyria and says, what? Come get some. Mm-hmm. Yes. I thought it was like ended up being a pretty decent match. Um, I thought Indy was very capable, but I I have to say like in these sort of like WWE Raw showcases that Becky Lynch is having with you know these sort of underexposed members of the women's roster, um, I think these should be almost like treated as like tryout matches, and they not only have to look capable, but like they really have to impress so that the audience might and the in the the office backstage will will demand to see more of this person and i don't know if this was that caliber of performance from Indy. like this felt like okay it's another match and coming out of it i I wasn't necessarily clamoring to see more yeah i think with indy hartwell it was man she's had the worst luck of someone that like i i I didn't like her acting was like very good in nxt with the dexter loomis stuff that got over it like in a campy way Mm -hmm. and like the wrestling was never the strongest part, but she was definitely by the end of it, like this audience was into her and then she gets the injury while she's called up. And that, de- and you had like the creative issues here on the main, but, but I mean, you can argue she was the hottest she's ever been when she had to drop the title. Like it made for a perfect story for her comeback. Didn't it? It was, yeah, it was great the way they had set it up. Like she was at this peak, but mm-hmm. then it just, kind of subsided they never capitalized. all these months yeah. and this was sort of the payoff was okay i'm going for my title and th- this was it um i don't know i i think it's been an odd fit for her on the main roster between the injury and i think just being like so much of like the, this candace indy hartwell dexter loomis stuff it all just kind of got oh, shelved um, johnny too i mean johnny too where, where's dexter right now um at uh the miz's house i don't know <laughs> Staring, he's waiting staring stalking in yeah. the window candace is very disappointed in the back and then gets uh run over by zia lee who says that's a message for indy too and next week we will get zia lee and candace loray adam pierce is warning security we have a mega su- contract signing tonight with all five women for crown jewel and nick all disappears and he is here to apologize he says we got off on the wrong foot on friday it was my mistake it was a rookie error I was just trying to establish my authority and I just want to go back to having healthy competition and not tarnish our professional relationship. And Adam Pierce calls it water under the bridge and offers to have Nick Aldis stick around for the night and watch how the flagship is run. Yeah, really. uh... I thought these two were very good tonight on, on the show. Like my criticism Friday was that we went from just introducing Aldis and boom, we're getting into these GMs hate each other. And tonight like you had this segment where it's we're kind of dialing it back, but by the end of the night, you clearly see this 
this uh, tension that they are are building. I, I thought I thought it came out better here tonight than than I felt on SmackDown. I think all this has been doing really well as sort of like a harder edge version of Pierce, and and therefore somebody that you know would would um get on like Pierce's nerves. You know, I think they're doing a good job of building up. As much as I hate like interbrain rivalry and GM GM rivalry, um, I do agree that these two have decent chemistry together. And you're also well, well, we'll get into it, but you're also like introducing the idea of like all this like poaching people um, as right. well. And I think doing like, you know, these contracts that are up and you've, you're planting seeds with like the Miz complaining tampering. about his treatment. Uh, it, there was a flat out tampering angle later on in the show with uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Mm-hmm. So Pierce, um, after that, uh, we have Rhea walk in and... She said, uh, sorry, we go to the, the ring where Pierce is surrounded by security and brings out the women for the crown jewel women's title match. Ripley coming out last and Rhea says she can beat all of them individually, but this is a conspiracy. She's being set up and she will make Adam Pierce's life hell. And the crowd cheers this. They are so behind Rhea Ripley going against the authoritative uh, figure and says that you're going to be the loser because you're going to have four fewer women in this division after crown jewel and Nia Jax takes the microphone and she is booed loudly. And she says how Rhea wants me to squash all of these women for you. And she goes one by one. This was a painful promo, but she was getting booed and it comes down to uh, a big brawl involving everyone. And it's Nia and Raquel who square off uh, alone and they have to fight off security and then Jax lands a Samoan drop as Rhea just watches from the floor right uh, I mean pretty standard contract signing type of segment right you know um, just to kind of put emphasis on whichever um, particular ri- rivalry we're supposed to pay attention to and here it's very clearly Naya and Rhea with the other three really just kind of feeling like supporting players here um, Rhea is the biggest baby face in the division becky lynch aside you know she comes out here and she just gets the biggest cheers uh the only really really like i would say identifiable one you know or at least what the audience compared to everybody else outside of becky lynch again so and i don't think that's by accident either i don't think this is it, something where they're actively wanting to like she's still presented as a heel but i don't think they're fighting this because i think that's ultimately the the role for Rhea is to be this yeah. you know like their Roman Reigns babyface of the women's division. Yeah, yeah, and I think part of the reason of bringing Nia Jax back is to you know make a more hateable, like bigger villain to you know pair Rhea up against. But it's just interesting to see like Rhea navigate sort of um being a part of a heel stable, but when she's in these you know women's um segments, th- basically being the lead babyface. Kaiser's with Vinci, no Gunther on the show. And Kaiser says, you need to deliver tonight and take out Johnny Gargano because your performance reflects on me. And Bronson Reed walks in. He wants another match with Gunther. Kaiser says, go tell Gunther yourself. And then Tozawa wants a match with Reed. He gets turned down. So Tozawa chops him. And Reed says, well, it's your funeral. And Maxine is very concerned about this. And Coach Gable will not be happy. Yeah. Big match coming up in hour three. Johnny Gargano and Giovanni Vinci. Two minutes and 43 seconds, um, including a 30-second uh, movie trailer that um, it was the opposite of what I was, uh, well, what we were talking about. I got no video, but I got the audio of this. 
Well, um, so I guess for international viewers, they didn't go to picture in picture um, to show the actual trailer. So we only heard the trailer, which made it super awkward. And I don't think there's a, a better way to tell your audience that this match is not important than to air a movie trailer in in the middle of it. Though Giovanni Vinci in a horror movie would probably be a lot of fun. I'm sure he'd be great. Yeah. So anyway, Gargano. Well, Gunther, stops- Gunther in a horror movie. Yeah, that could be too. The, yeah, um, there's there's probably a imagine being chased down like through through a cabin by by Gunther Gunther ra- randomly like chopping people to death. That's it. Yeah, chops their heads off. Gargano stops a power bomb, lands a super kick. Kaiser gets on the apron when the returning Tommaso Ciampa yanks him down, and this leads to one final beat. Two forty three. Gargano and Ciampa celebrate like they've won the Super Bowl. And uh, Vinci is looking very concerned that he lost this nothing TV match and was fodder for a movie trailer. <laughs> right. I got to say, there wasn't that much reaction here for Ciampa's return and what is essentially DIY's like second in arena appearance together since this. Uh, His music strange... is the opposite of what a theme song should do. Like, I think it actively brings down a crowd. It's so just. Gargano's, well, you mean? Yes, Gargano's music. Yeah. Man, it's one of those where, like, I wonder if at some point, once he actually is in a bigger match, maybe they'll actually go back to using the other one just to get get that pop. But for now, I mean, this is a team that still is basically building from the bottom right now because um, I I don't think audiences tonight really felt much for them. Um, And I think a lot of this program with Imperium has been really focused on Vinci and Kaiser and what losing means to Gunther rather than on DIY itself. Ben, I was very happy to see this. Post-title program, Shinsuke Nakamura has retained the subtitles. And we get a video, and he states that a beating from Nakamura is a beautiful thing. And he is so happy that he got to give Ricochet this experience. But now he wants to find an opponent who will inspire the yet-to-be-seen self within me. Release the expression, still trapped in my dreams. Who is worthy enough to set me free? Mm. I mean, if I was like... 16 years old i would definitely go to this guy's concert oh oh lovely yeah Yo, Put- shinsuke's playing <laughs> shin <laughs> um good promo very charismatically delivered by nakamura as always and very like dramatically like worded translations right i mean i don't speak japanese so i don't know if like how direct these translations were but like man like the there are a lot of ways you can go with translations i'm sure when you're you know changing um to something from a foreign language to english but whoever wrote these made the sound probably even better than what actually came out of his mouth yeah good video and they'll pair him with somebody logan paul comes out and refers (laughs) this was the best to the fool that he beat last week he was so bad that he was dropped by his fight league. This is my favorite program going on right now. The aftermath of Logan Paul and the man whose name will not be said, but Paul is going to just roast on national television because uh, Bellator did in fact release Dylan Danis from his contract over the weekend. He has not fought there in four years. Um, And Bellator is um, well, their, their state is very much in flux, but uh this was true and i just love that he's continually cutting promos but he will not say this man's name and his fiance is legit suing him as well 
Yeah, right. For a number of reasons, I mean, I, I can understand why. But I also don't really understand why he keeps bringing him up. I understand the first time, you know, you, you're making your appearance after your big um, fight to, to casually mention him. But, like, to continue to revisit it just kind of makes it look like he's he's a little bit obsessed. Um. Well, maybe... Um... Maybe Dan, Dennis has a future um, opportunity to get his revenge on Logan Paul in inside a WWE ring. Well, there is there is that photo when uh, Danis went to uh, he went to a show and he did post a photo with 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 Rey Mysterio. So maybe um, who knows? Who knows (laughs) if there can only like if you want to turn Logan Paul babyface, Okay, bring in Dylan Danis. Okay, because that's the one man the world will boo ahead of Logan Paul. It's a pretty good bet. So Logan then uh, turns things on to his uh, WWE pro. And as he's running down Danis, he's just having fun with the what chance. Like he has like figured out the what chance to his advantage. He tells the haters to go run to their keyboards. He'll give them something to talk about when he beats Ray for the title. And maybe he'll come back to Ron, defend this belt. Dominic comes out. And here is the, the marriage of two. Team. Oh man. This is to me what like Grayson Waller and Austin theory want to uh, aspire to be like, these two are just terrific together. Logan immediately starts clapping for this guy. The crowd is booing so loudly. You could not hear Dominic here. And he calls Logan a future champion. And Logan says how Dominic grew up with a deadbeat dad. And he still became a champion of an entire continent. And then Logan focuses his attention on his favorite ring announcer, Samantha Irving, and convinces her to come into the ring where he wants her to give a preview of Logan being announced as the new champion. And Samantha Irving is not going to do this. And then Ricochet charges the ring, attacking both. And Logan is able to save Dominic from a shooting star press. Uh, Fun segment here for the fact that you had no Ray on this show. There wasn't like a grand purpose to have Logan Paul here other than for him to appear. And I thought this turned into a really entertaining segment. Well, Ray respects the the rules of the uh, draft. Yeah, see. more than his boss does. That, that is correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, Logan Paul appearance it adds a lot of star power to a particular show. And they they effectively built to the Ray Mysterio match without having Ray around. You would expect Dominic, I, I guess, to be in, in Logan's corner, maybe. Uh, and maybe Ricochet to be in Ray's corner, you know, as, yeah. a, as a role for the both of them. So I thought they built up to that Ricochet run in really well through the use of Samantha Irvin. And man, Logan Paul, I thought was really good here and the pairing of him and Dominic, you know, not only is it great um, for just to watch, I think it's, it's really good for Dominic Mysterio. Not that he needs that much more publicity, but in a mainstream level, maybe he does, you know, you're, 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 you're even pushing Dominic to a different maybe status by having him attached to Logan. He could play Dylan Danis. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. Like there, there's a, yeah, I guess a similarity there a little bit, you know, it's what they could do as a cool spot at crown jewel is you have Samantha Irvin as the ring announcer and either she has to refer to Logan Paul as the new champion, or she gets to announce Ray as the winner and your loser Logan Paul. And it's like mm. Samantha Irvin gets like the last word in at the end of this. That'd be nice. Chelsea green and Piper Niven against Natalia and Nikki cross the thriving women's tag division. Nikki Cross walks out. She's just in a trance for this entire match. She is Linda McMahon circa WrestleMania 17. Yes, she is. Um, She she got the double dosage from Trish Stratus. Cole says she's normally screwbally and flaky, uh, but this is a a different level. 
And then Michael Cole said something about Lou Albano doing this once at the Garden on Raw in 1998. I was like, the hell are you talking about? 98? Did he have a wrestling match in 1998? No. No. Maybe he means 88. Well, he wasn't around in 88, so I don't know how Cole would even know this. Was he around at any of the eights? Um, no. <laughs> 78? Anyway. Um, hey, this is, you're talking about Michael Cole, okay? Historian who who's watched a whole lot of professional wrestling in his time. He's, how, uh, who are you to doubt him? So Natalia's left alone. Uh, Nikki just takes off. Circa 1998, Lou Albano. And <laughs> Natalia avoids the unprettier, goes for the sharpshooter, but Niven has been tagged in. So from behind, Green hits the unprettier, running crossbody, and Niven pins Natalia in three minutes and 13 seconds. No Tegan Knox, no Indy Hartwell. So here's Natalia trying to give all this, this these good vibes backstage, and there, there's no one. She gets Nikki Cross paired as her partner for whatever reason and walks out on her. So I guess the, I mean maybe this could facilitate the the Natalia heel turn. I suppose. Um, I think booking a match like this is not only a terrible waste of a segment. I think it sends a terrible message to your audience that this is a division that you should continue to not take seriously. Um, the division not only needs stories and not only needs like strong characters, it also needs substance in the form of good wrestling matches. And it's already hard enough when you've got like a Chelsea green, you know, Piper Niven pair as their top champions. It's, it's even worse when you book these sort of stupid gimmick matches like this, that, uh, completely fall flat in front of, in front of this audience and just really reaffirms, you know, the, the bathroom break status of these tag title matches. Jey Uso and Drew McIntyre met backstage and Drew sarcastically feels bad about the bloodline costing you the tag titles last week. That must suck. And he says, without Jay, this match with Sami Zayn doesn't happen. So whatever happens to Sami Zayn is on you, which was really confusing to try and piece together Jay's culpability for what was going to happen. Well, to I mean, Zayn. it makes total sense. What do you mean? Because Jay was the reason that um, for the trade, right? The trade happened because of Jay, which sent... Uh, <laughs> Kevin Owens. Owens to SmackDown, and which got Sami Zayn pissed off, um, and arguing with Drew. So, no, what got him upset was Drew stating, "You're not World Championship material." They were actually on the same page and fine until Drew said this, and Sami Zayn issued the challenge. Mm, How can they Jay weren't? Stop they this weren't match on the same, happening. Well, they weren't on the same page according to Drew because it was Sami making up with Jay so early that pissed Drew off. So it was Jay's fault. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I Jay, I would sleep fine at night over this match. Happening. <laughs> I just love Drew continuing to just be like shit talker, like sarcastically telling him, just get over it. I got great advice for you. You know, I, I, this Drew has just been so much fun. The Miz complains to Adam Pierce about a lack of television time and says that Nick Aldis knows all of his accomplishments. So Rhea Ripley walks in, totally taking away the attention from Miz, signs her contract for the five-way, and then the camera follows Rhea as she walks away and Miz, where's the camera going? And Ripley checks in on Dominic, who is going to need to ice from uh, this, the attack by Ricochet. Sami Zayn and Drew McIntyre fight for the death, blood on the hands of Jey Uso match. Zayn is thrown uh, uh, towards the barricade, moonsaults off, 
Uh, we go through a break. Drew keeps uh, catching him, including a Pescado, and tosses him over the announcer's desk. And then Zane comes back with a Topecon hero, a sunset bomb after Drew tried the white noise off the turnbuckle. Drew stops a blue thunder bomb, executing the Glasgow kiss. And then as he goes for the Claymore, he's hit with the blue thunder bomb. Crowd was getting into the covers here by Zane. And then Drew sets up for the Claymore when Rhea Ripley's music plays and Sammy capitalizes, hits an exploder, tries for the Huluva kick, but Rhea distracts Zane and leads to the Claymore. And Drew taking advantage of the distraction and wins in 14 minutes and 55 seconds. Damn you, Jey Uso. <laughs> so Drew took advantage, but I mean, without necessarily... Um, he didn't ask for this help, but he yeah. was not going to um, let it deter from his game plan wasn't complaining about it yeah i thought it was a very good match great chemistry between these two to these two um and i love seeing drew work as a big you know monster heel essentially as against sammy zane in his best role as sort of like the undersized baby face um the two of them were really great together and i thought it was a good finish despite maybe the distraction it was the type of distraction that continued the tease of drew's um judgment day alliance and uh, a great de- de- detail about Drew right now uh, that I like is that he came out, he was still like high-fiving fans, but it was such a lackadaisical high-fiving. He didn't even make eye contact. He's just extending his hand to clap just because of like, I don't know, some contractual requirement of him as a baby face, essentially. So it's like it's like he's obligated to do it, and I think it's perfect for his current character. And as of this show, there's no role for Sami Zayn on the Crown Jewel show. And he was he ended up being promoted as like the Mm -hmm. biggest deal on that last show where they took him all over and they made a huge deal about Sami Zayn being in Saudi Arabia. But as of Mm -hmm. now, like unless they have him as some kind of involvement in the title match, uh, like there doesn't seem to be a a fit for him on this show. All this is chatting up Katana Chance and Caden Carter and notes their blue outfits they're wearing. And Pierce comes over and tells them all about contract tampering. And I didn't invite you here to chat with my superstars. And all this says, you know what? I'm going to make this easy for you. I'm going to take off. It's the third hour. A lot less people are watching anyway. And Adam Pierce says, you know what, Nick? That's a great idea. So we are left here with this tension that continues to build between these two. But I thought both played their roles very well tonight. And I kind of like the way they are going about this instead of just the the, the, the usual GM versus GM type of setup. I guess so. Well, what is the usual GM versus GM type of setup? I mean, it's so much more. I mean, they're trying to be a little more subtle here that there's. Uh, it's not, this is not subtle. This is, is it not subtle for you. Well, um, I, I'm just not a huge fan of like, you know, brand versus brand type of stuff. But you're right. Like, I guess this is this is feeling a little bit more organic than years past. I mean, the the bottom's going to fall out if all of a sudden Katana Chance and Caden Carter pop up, walk out on the tag division which are not even specific to this show. Like why um, do they have a 90 day? No compete. And they have to leave. They have to become, you know, um, Katana opportunity. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nikki Cross also walks by in a trance. Pierce's looks says, I need a drink as did we all uh, Bronson Reed and Akira Tozawa. Um, Very long show, dude. Um, Tozawa did not look good in this, man. Like, his strikes looked really weak. It was like, I don't know, maybe this is just the gimmick that, like, I don't know. I just thought that this was, this 
should have been Miro and Action Andretti, a shorter version of it. It was the furthest thing from it. Um, Tozawa got a bit of offense in. Maxine looked horrified. And then Reed finally hit a DVD sent on Tsunami, two and a half minutes. I guess I'm not even so sure. Like having a good match is, is what Tozawa's role is uh, anymore. You know, like he's, he's you can at least have like an entertaining two and a half squash. Uh, this, this is not even that for me. But you know, for, for the longest time, he's he's been sort of like the clown of WWE, right? You know, uh, now that R-Truth isn't here, he's the comic relief. And he's having, you know, these sort of like, you know, slapsticky type of matches where he does some really funny facial expressions. They're over-exaggerated. And beyond that, um, I don't think there's that much demand for him to like look competitive. Well, I, I just thought like the offense looked so off and just like not like akira tozawa um even in like a comedic form but this was short we cut to the back otis has a dallas cowboys replica belt this was subtle and he's with uh alpha academy tozawa's selling the loss and then uh gargano and champa walk in so they're all talking about you know the tag division and they hand the cowboys belt to tozawa to do his uh, dance or like whatever um, the hit thing that he was doing. So um, I guess it's, I'd be furious if I was the Miz and this got more TV time than me. I'd be furious if I was DIY. I mean, last thing you'd want is to be like, this is your, this is the mid card of the mid card. I would say, you know, and, and you drew that distinction between like the actual serious tag teams in the WWE and the rest. I mean, this is a picture of the rest and, and it's not that pretty. You could Photoshop the 24-7 title over top the Dallas Cowboys logo, and that's what this segment was. 100%, yes. McIntyre and Rollins are in the back, and McIntyre's like, what are you What are you doing tonight? You're just, like, hanging out? And he jokes that uh, – Seth jokes that Drew is now part of the Judgment Day, and Drew points out how you were speaking to Rhea tonight, too. Rollins says, I don't need the Judgment Day to beat you. And they both agree not to involve the Judgment Day in their match, which guarantees they will be involved – and may the best match, uh, may the best man win. So I guess the suggestion is one of these two is lying. And who will the Judgment Day help? My crown jewel. Yes. Who will we judge right. on that day? Next week, four matches announced for Raw. Seth Rollins against J.D. McDonough. Candice LeRae against Zia Lee. DIY against Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. And Dominic Mysterio takes on Ricochet. Mm-hmm. And our main event. Damian Priest, Jay Uso. This was um, I don't know. I did not get into this one. Me neither. Yeah. No, and the crowds. I don't think the crowd did either. No, they were they were tired, and I can't say that this work was all that inspiring. Like this, just felt like through the motions, and I don't know. Like they were chanting, "We want tables for like a a regular match." Yeah. Um. I don't know with with Jay like he has not like blown me away in a lot of these big singles opportunities that he's had whether it be Raw main events mm-hmm. you know famously or the, the Roman match the Roman, Re- the Roman Reigns match at SummerSlam like this guy like in the tag scenario like they had a great tag match last week um, but man you you take like Cody and Balor out of this equation and this was a this was a big drop off for me over last week's match and what you typically get um, yeah I agree. Really, yeah. really low energy crowd. The pr- priest was signaling for the south of heaven, but Uso stopped with elbows. Um, priest catched him off a dive and hit a flatliner onto the desk. Another in the ring. And then Jay gets off from the razor's edge, lands the spear and the Uso splash when Balor runs down for our latest run in distraction. And Jay hits a suicide dive to Finn. Finn then grabs his leg, crotches Jay, which sets up south of heaven. And Priest wins in 12 17 
Afterward, Balor's attacking, hits the coup de grace, and they get a pair of chairs when one-legged Cody Rhodes hops down the aisle and stops Finn, stops Damian Priest, chop blocks Priest, and attacks with the chair. And then he puts the chair around Priest's ankle, but Balor saves Damian from a shattered ankle. And to go off, they really pushed hard SmackDown airing on FS1 this Friday. So you certainly can't knock WWE when it comes to uh, promoting these things. They hit you over the head. They're um, the best at it. Yeah. And that was, that was raw. I just, I just thought like a really lackluster um, match here. And I thought overall a pretty um, for, for the show, like last week was a very, very strong episode of raw. I've got to say this one. I thought the drew and Zane had a very good match. I like the new day uh, alpha Academy match. Um, match wise though, this, this was certainly several notches below what they had last week. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I think my opinion might be very different if the main event came across better, like in previous weeks where we had, you know, really hot, like tag team main event crowd certainly felt tired for this one. I felt tired for this one. People really like Jay Uso. That's not a doubt at all. Um, but I think he's yet to find that magic in these sort of singles match settings. And the tag team with Cody was like a good two week break for him to, you know, first of all, benefit from, I think, Car- Cody's, you know, star power as a main eventer babyface with this audience. Um, it also allowed him to continue to work as a tag team. So, it, it, you know, this is what the man built his entire career off of. And so he he continued to have really great matches. But in a singles capacity, he's yet to find the thing that I think makes him feel like a complete wrestler, his moveset and in-ring style, I think could use a bit of a freshening up. I hate the thing he's been doing where like he takes his shirt off. Oh, it was waits, so weird tonight. Like waits they- forever to wrap it around his opponent's head before delivering that uppercut. I mean, it's just, it looks ridiculous to me. Um, and it's not the type of like, I don't know. No, daring. no. Uh, it could also just be the crowd being this tired, this late into the show, but um, there's, they have to do some retooling. The character is over, but the in-ring is, it leaves something to be desired. Raw. Episode two of the season. Um, Thumbs in middle show, you know, Not, nothing really like offensive, I would say, but, um, oh man, um, not a lot of like great um yeah like the only news we got coming out of the show you got priest and cody for the pay-per-view and hmm. um well what's coming up on raw next week like not a whole lot of i would say uh, stakes uh, added to this show crown jewel is already set you know it, this is now just about like getting the word out i thought like it, the drew mcintyre stuff continues to be my favorite thing on the show so i thought that was good All right, let's go to the forum. If you want to send in uh, your Super Chats, you're welcome to do so, but we're going to read uh, what you thought about tonight's Raw. Let's start off with a Super Chat here from Andy. Thank you again for the support, Andy. He says, there have been many hints towards the Rollins-Reigns program. I can't see Cody beating Reigns until we get to this match. How did you guys read it? I think it's something that they're they're keeping there as this natural, I think even just, at its base level, you should have this rivalry among the two champions. And with, with the history here, it's like something that you can certainly go back to. I guess it's just the timing of how you're going to slot in all of these matches. I mean, you have to remember that Reigns still has like, we, we don't even know what his status is for Survivor Series. You you could do that at Survivor Series if you want to do the champion versus champion gimmick. Um, and then you've got the rumble, you've got the February pay-per-view and, and you've got two nights uh, of mania. And when you're looking at the list of who you've got there beyond Cody, like Rollins would be one of them. So 
it's 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 certainly one that you could go to and it would require minimal build for because they've sort of set the table for it survivors series traditionally has sort of been the, the destination right for your champion versus champion match and um i mean there's every re- reason in the world to do it simply because it's you know you can promote champion versus champion you have they have the history between the shield so it makes sense i also though um wonder if you should do it um because you're battling this sort of notion that you know Roland- why beat roman after all this time and why have your or conversely your a champion pin your b champion and just solidify yeah. it for your audience i or I'm- or beyond that give why give the audience a dissatisfying finish for what is likely to be the main event so all of those outcomes are not attractive to me Unless they can find a way to build to another story coming off of uh, the result that somehow protects everybody, but it's not necessarily a match I I personally look forward to. All right, let's uh, go to the forum here. And Muggin writes, "I can't be the only one who thinks something's up here. Priest being a tag champion again is just a distraction from cashing in the briefcase to keep himself out of Drew's way, and it's working. Rhea's undermining him, and I bet it's a matter of time until he realizes it." Sammy and Drew tore it up. Logan Paul and Dominic had enough heat to melt ice. And Becky Lynch and Indy was a solid match. Sidebar, Cody Rhodes made a cameo in Captain Laserhawk on Netflix. I believe Kenny Omega is on this too. Uh, They both have roles on the show. So uh, I don't even know what it's about. But will you be watching Captain Laserhawk, John? Maybe I've already watched it. Where's the sound tattoo? With the sound on or off? Uh, Off. Neck tattoo's right there, man. Is it there? Yeah, yeah, faint. That's, that doesn't look like an American flag to me. Well, maybe they have copyright issues. Okay. Cody didn't sign off on it, his IP. Uh, and that's it. <laughs> no more All feedback. Right. Thank you, Muggin, as always. Okay. Uh, again, you can get your questions in for the Ask Away Mailbag Show forum.postwrestling.com or memo.fm slash postwrestling to send an audio question uh it's free of charge to send an audio question and we'll be answering all of the questions in the mailbag thursday at postwrestlingcafe.com we have four bonus shows coming up this week in addition rewind to smackdown collision course and on sunday uh we are going to have mcu later as wh and the returning rich fan will go through episode four of loki and uh, also this weekend a free edition of the fighting spirit unleashed review Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Is that what the show's called? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson, a free New Japan review from the two of them. That will be up uh, on Sunday, the day after the show from Las Vegas. So you can look forward to that. That's it for us. Way, um, you have a great night, a tremendous night, and uh, enjoy Halloween Havoc night one of two. Well, thank you, John. Um, I hey, 30 hope- years ago today, Joe Carter. <laughs> greatest moment of my life i mean outside of uh i guess my child being born and getting married the third greatest moment of my life either you call that the greatest sports moment in history or you're wrong goodbye